welcome to Book Chatter, a monthly book club podcast sponsored by the Longmont Public Library. I'm Barb, your host for this episode, and with me are Denise. Hi. And Devin. Hello. And Jana. Hello. To discuss our latest pick, Once There Were Wolves by Charlotte McConaughey. And spoiler alert, as is our custom, we will be discussing this novel in its entirety. So if you haven't finished reading Once There Were Wolves yet, you might want to return to this episode once you've done so. So let's launch in with a little about the author and the book. Charlotte McConaughey is the author of the international bestseller Migrations, a Time Magazine Best Book of the Year, and the Amazon.com Best Fiction Book of the Year for 2020. And it's being translated into over 20 languages, plus adapted for film. McConaughey has both a graduate degree in screenwriting and a master's degree in screen arts, and lives in Sydney, Australia, with her partner and son. Once There Were Wolves is a New York Times bestseller, a winner of the Indie Book Award for Fiction in 2022, as well as a Nautilus Gold Award winner. Chris Rutledge of the Washington Independent Review of Books says, Despite portraying the risky nature of human entanglement, the novel invites us to consider the role trust plays in our lives. Ultimately, Our ability to survive in a dangerous world depends on our willingness to accept help from unlikely places. And, as the protagonist, Inti, finds out, unlikely people. There is cruelty to survive, to fight against, she reflects. But there is gentleness more than anything. Our roots, deep and entangled. So let's move on to our first impressions and uh, throw some stars at this book. I'll, I'll jump in first and say that this was a um, very entertaining read for me. I'm not a big fan of thrillers. I don't even read a lot of novels. Um, surprise. But uh, this one captured my attention. I went down dozens of rabbit holes uh, kind of connected to the story because of uh, the uniqueness of the setting, uh, the project that she's involved with, that, uh, that rewilding idea, um, and uh, its um, successes and failures uh, in the real world. I was uh, captivated by the um, synesthesia uh, aspect of the main character, Inti, her ability to Uh, It's called mirror touch synesthesia, which means that if you see someone experiencing uh, a particular emotion or uh, hurt, uh, you experience it in yourself. Um, Lots of little rabbit holes like that to go down. So it was very intriguing. Um, I have to say that this fell a little short for me as it wound down to the end, and we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, so I would give it uh, like a 3.75 <laughs> stars out of five. Very gripping read, keeps the pace going through the whole thing, but yeah, uh, didn't really care for the ending. That's me. Okay, Denise, your turn. Well, I, um, I had kind of a similar experience. I was drawn in by the descriptions, mm-hmm. the nature, the scenery. Um, I think she did a really nice job of um, 
especially describing three different locations, three yes. relatively different, although BC and Scotland are probably a little bit closer, mm-hmm. um, more similar. And I felt like she did good research on wolves yeah. uh, as someone who's done a lot of studying up on dogs and there, there are some, some similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked reading those parts. That was very enjoyable. And, um, I felt like she definitely had, if not lived in each of those places, definitely spent a lot of time mm-hmm. in them and taken her time to craft the scene. One of the things that I also appreciated about it is the fact that like a, just a couple of years ago, um, here in Colorado, we had, we voted an initiative to reintroduce wolves yes. into the north, I believe the north, uh, northwest, northwest corner, corner of yeah. our state. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of monitoring how that's going, but it's still relatively fledgling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, kind of connected back to some of the things we've seen in the newspapers about, you know, the ups and downs here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had and a lot of the same conversations Oh, yes. And concerns with ranchers and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know about, about you, but I thought about that part as well. And it seems so e- easy to pass a ballot initiative, mm-hmm. but it I feel like I didn't really think about all the interworkings and all the the scientists needed in the background mm-hmm. um, and, and then the impact on the land and the, the people living there, making their living on the land. Um so that kind of I appreciated that about this piece is that it it kind of opened my eyes to to all of the complexity of this type of issue. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And when I lived uh, in rural eastern Colorado, I became much more acquainted with um, the issues with coyotes. I had no idea that a coyote who is you know the size of my dog can mm-hmm. take down you know a bull and wow. you know just get them by the throat and that's that's it or maybe you have two or three but it didn't take two or three even though they're half the size of a wolf (laughs) so yeah then you have that struggle of struggle to survive and keep their assets you Mm -hmm. know so i i was very uh, i very much enjoyed those parts of it Mm -hmm. and um i thought there was some some good complexity um differences in characters and she brought in like different um different parts like you said the the um, synesthesia and the autonomous languages Mm -hmm. that were different than other books, which Mm -hmm. is nice. I gave it four stars Mm -hmm. because I liked those things so much. There were a couple of things I was like, "Mm, not my favorite. (laughs) Skipped a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Skipped one bit. (laughs) But that's just me. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, four stars. Okay. Devin. What do you think? Um, yeah, so I, I agree with both of you guys. Um, it was entertaining. It was entertaining. Yes. I'm not a fiction reader like Barb. Um, I probably read it in about four days, which I wow. don't do with fiction. It was definitely a page turner. I was mm-hmm. entertained. Um, I did not grow attached to any of the characters. I didn't really mm. like any of the characters a whole lot. Oh. Um, <laughs> there were things in the story that were just completely unrealistic, which I just, that's why I really don't like fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you know, just, come on. It was, you know, I felt myself doing that <laughs> Toward quite the end, often. I'm afraid it, yeah, yeah, joined you on um, that one. She left, like Barb was saying, a lot of loose ends, mm-hmm. you know, to stories. She would just talk about something and then you'd never hear about it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were just a lot of things that just in real life, it wouldn't go down the way it did. Right. So that turns me off to books. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Yeah, your thoughts? <laughs> I really liked it. Um, I would say I give it 
maybe a four and a half. I think she's written a beautiful book and it has an important message for today mm-hmm. on looking at the ecology of our planet. It's important, I think, that we have young writers that are addressing climate change and really looking at like this problem squarely in the face, I guess, instead of pushing mm-hmm. under the carpet. Mm-hmm. I think the fiction helps to entertain people while also bringing attention to this issue. And I like how she melded together not only like the external natural world and Mm -hmm. how it's dying um, and it needs rewilding, but also the internal world of the characters. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I thought she did a really good job of that. I liked how Inti was a very fierce woman, Mm -hmm. that she inhabited different roles um, and she wasn't afraid to get angry about right. things that she felt she needed to get angry about. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the ending. <laughs> so I guess I'll say <laughs> that, okay. like, I was just like, wow, I, I love this so much that I just felt like as someone who loves the forest, also I had like a personal connection cause I yeah. love to be outside. And it brought me to this moment of like last summer I was sleeping outside on this ridge mm-hmm. And um, we were way out away from people and it was like dusk. And I think we were like just falling asleep and we heard these coyotes in the distance. They were way Mm -hmm. out. Um, We were in like wilderness area and um, and it just like it does have that primal gut punch. And she talks about that in the book. Mm -hmm. So I found that all very fascinating. And it, you know, it had a personal connection for me, too. Mm. Nice. Great. I'd love the different opinions we bring to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the discussion points and questions. And shout out to Penguin.com in Australia for their wonderful set of discussion questions, which we'll be using today. First one says, what genres does this novel combine? And how do they feed into each other and deepen the themes explored? Um, I think we've already come up with the fact that uh, it's a novel. It's a thriller. Uh, mm-hmm. There is murder. There is uh, chaos here. Violence. And violence. Yeah. It, it's uh, touching on a number of different genres, including the thriller. And uh, the way she weaves them together, I guess, to me, like you mentioned, Jana, the parallels uh, – uh, between the human uh, characters in the story and the animals, they run on kind of an interesting parallel track, and uh, I found that fascinating. It it there there's some things that are uh, unsettling in the story, and like you mentioned, Devin, that never really seem to get resolved. Some of them uh, maybe we felt were a little unsatisfactorily resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she's playing with a number of different genres here. Uh, I'd say the main thread is thriller. Yeah. But uh, what do you all think? I think there's almost, maybe not technically, but a touch of fantasy. Definitely. Like, um, oh, definitely. She is a fantasy writer. That's how she yeah, started. I could yes. see that. I could see that yeah. in the background. It was there like, are elements here. Yeah. It, there's a little woo-woo, which is <laughs> not my thing either. But, yeah. <laughs> Now, thriller fantasy, but like 80% thriller. Maybe yeah. 20% fantasy. Yeah. And then yeah. don't forget the romance. Of oh, course. That's oh, there is romance going on here. <laughs> and, and then just mystery. Uh-huh. You know. So, but the, but you know, when you read what something that's probably classified more 
um, just mystery. I mean, nothing's 100% really, but Mm -hmm. um, that murder takes such a front center stage. You have an inspector or a a detective. You have, you know, um, and there may be other things going on around it, but that becomes the center of it. And Mm -hmm. I felt like it wasn't. The center was a little less defined yeah. Because um, sometimes it would really be the wolves. Yes. And sometimes it would be some of the other characters. And the murder part of it, the mystery part of it, um, kind of came in and out. Mm-hmm. And yes. and it also wasn't just about human murder. Yes. Yes. So yes, yes. it wasn't just this person was killed and who did it. Mm-hmm. A lot going on in this book. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Many threads. Uh, next question. Inti? And her team of biologists attempt to rewild the remote Scottish Highlands by reintroducing wolves to the landscape. In what ways do the wild and civilization clash in this book? Should they be viewed as opposites? Gianna, you had some thoughts on that point? Yeah, I I wanted to talk about this question, and maybe you all have something to say about it, too, Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's pretty central to the novel. Mm -hmm. And... I think part of the problem that she's saying is that the world is dying um, because it's it's empty of wild creatures and it's empty of wild places, mm-hmm. and it's yes. overrun by by us, by people, and by our agriculture. But so that's kind of agricultural, and people are what is the basis for civilization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we continue to grow, how do we how do we stay in balance with with keeping some wild places and wild creatures? alive. And I think there's a tension there. And she's asking this question, which I think is a great question. Mm -hmm. It's also an internal question as well. Like I talked about that we think that we can, can we can just live in cities, right? Mm -hmm. And like during the pandemic, we were like pent up and we couldn't get out. And she wrote this, I think during the pandemic, I was part of the process. And, and then some people that were in cities, like just didn't have much nature in their lives. And what does that do to you? When she's talking about this scene about the wolf, like you can, it's one thing to touch an unconscious wolf. It's another to see one in a pen. Another thing entirely to see one in the wild and this close and like Mm -hmm. in charge of his dominion. So you're, when you see a wild creature, it's like, it's a very different experience than going to the zoo. Oh yeah. (laughs) And how do we keep that? How do we keep that alive? Mm-hmm. Because we also have like a, p- a part of ourselves that needs that too. We do. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what what do you think? I mean, <laughs> so the question is: In what ways do the wild and civilization clash in the book? And you mentioned it um, kind of in your first opening um, reflection of the book yeah. that the the battle is between you know agriculture and feeding yeah. our populations mm-hmm. and. We need that wild, though, for the agriculture to thrive, I think. I mean, yeah. you can't be overrun with deer and the deer come, you know, eat all the the f- crops that, you know, you're growing for to feed your cows. Or mm-hmm. I mean, we have to have both. There are parallel things that run together and you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Well, you can have wild without civilization, that's for sure. If we all go away. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. And I don't know if anyone here, and I'm not to try to change, change the subject, but American Wolf, if we've ever read that book, that's a nonfiction mm-hmm. book about the Yellowstone wolves mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. reintroduced. And that's a fascinating book. Highly recommend it. Great. Um, but yeah, that's what he went into yeah. throughout that whole book, which... Yeah, it was way better than this book. Well, and that you know kind of reminded me of personally uh, as I've started gardening over the years. You know, been able to go from you know container gardening, community gardening, and then being in my own yard. And I've you know, seeing how other people do it in different 
ideas, you know. Yes. Um, some people want it not sterile, but it's like I only want the good bugs and I don't <laughs> want this and I don't want them in the house, you know. <laughs> and and then there's people that are kind of like, well, I don't really want to use anything. I want it on it. I want it to be organic. And that's its own struggle. And like for me, I started seeing that there's certain times of the year where I'm going to have a rabbit come through. I'm going to have in the fall, mm-hmm. the mice are going to they're going to find their way to the things as the garden winds down and things that aren't necessarily going to be harvested. Um, And there's a season for the grasshoppers. And Mm. I kind of had to decide, you know, I'm okay with sharing part of it. Yes. You know, if some of those creatures need to take one or two. That's a good uh, approach. What's annoying is the rabbits that come and nibble the bottom of every single one of my tomatoes. (laughs) Just stick to one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like eat the whole one whole one, not two bites out of the bottom of every one of them. So that was, yeah, for me it was like how much do I let the nature take certain courses Mm -hmm. and and then at what point do I say, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it was a little bit more of a microcosm. I don't know how – wild compared to wolves in a more vast yeah. landscape. Well, if that was your mm-hmm. only way to, you know, support yourself and feed your family. Yes. I think you'd, have, I think you'd yeah. feel a little bit different. So I can see that. For yes. sure. But we don't need to have a meat meal every single day. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, you know, the, the conversations that the community had uh, in the book about the wolves coming in, you know, you had a lot of ranchers. Was, that area was primarily for sheep grazing. Yes. And you need a lot of land for that. And they were saying, well, you know, they're going to kill our livestock. The the scientists, people in charge of the program were saying, yeah, we're not actually going to disagree with you on that. Yes. Um, but and then educating on it's not like a swarm of locusts. Your, mm-hmm. You know, your flocks aren't going to be decimated. Right. And when it happens, we will compensate you. But, yeah, it's like does there need to be um, more in general with that seemingly just a position between the wild and, you know, and our sort of tamed world mm-hmm. um, to say, not only are we sort of going to, to accept it, but to be like, you know what, let's sort of just plan for 10 or 15%. And it, it seems like the civilization clash here might be in part because uh, people are in general just resistant to change. Yeah. That that this is the way we've always done mm-hmm. Things and you're coming in and in- introducing this chaotic piece, mm-hmm. and you know, yes, good might come out of it, but what about what about the way we've always done things? Right. Why do I have to give that up? And I think that that was part of the the clash going on here, yeah. is that there there are traditions that these wolves are going to step on, right, and and disrupt, and that's hard to accept. And yeah, yeah. I think that's that's part of. The conflict going on. Although here. when you talk about tradition, like uh-huh. I thought it was neat that uh, one of the older characters, Mrs. Duncan, you know, she seems more open to the rewilding to bring yeah. back the yeah, wolves. I loved her, and she I wondered so if there was like a, a favorite kind of a memory in older people of mm-hmm. well, they used to be here. It was part of what was here yeah. mm-hmm. and part of how we lived. You know, yeah, yeah. And at one point, there was even an acknowledgement: sheep ranching around here is dying out. Like. It's not going to be forever and almost like it shouldn't necessarily be like it's had its time. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there's like, then what does become of that land? Does right. it become a hundred percent wild after that? Is there a different use? Is there a mixed use? Mm-hmm. Um, Wolf watching tourism. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like in Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, Yellowstone. Sorry. Yellowstone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like you, I didn't expect it 
those thoughts to come from those characters. Yeah, that was unexpected. And and I found it delightful when she showed up. And, <laughs> and Inti was obviously shocked, too, to yeah. think that there was anybody in the community who had that bigger vision of what things used to be and why it was so important to get back to that and mm-hmm. how much work it would take. It, it takes um, those civilized folks um, having a picture of stewardship of the land, not just extracting maximum profit from it, right. but rather treating it so that there'll be something left to pass on mm-hmm. to your to your grandkids or your great-grandkids. And yeah, it's a bigger picture. Inti says... Quote, the children in us long for monsters to take forms we understand. They want to fear the wolves because they don't want to fear each other. Close quote. How does the novel blur the boundaries between humans and beasts? Jana? Something that I wrote down, which I thought was a um, perceptive quote, um, and it is about language, and a lot of this book is about languages, right? Mm-hmm. The language that the, the twins share the language of the wolves and how they communicate. Uh, She writes, there are languages without words and violence is one of them. So I think there's violence that's happening in the animal kingdom that is natural and part of the environment Mm -hmm. and necessary for the ecosystem and for the, you know, things to go on. Um, But then there's like this human violence that she's examining murder, which has a different tint to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that somehow they're, like, leading into each other. Like, the, the townspeople want to hate the wolves and blame them for killing the sheep as sort of an ethical thing. But that's just a natural part of, of what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is the idea of, like, monsters. And so they're putting on to these wild creatures, oh, well, it's a monster. We have all these fairy tales about wolves and other creatures that are violent. But we're kind of put, projecting this human um, value, I guess, onto them, anthropomorphizing them in a way and saying, well, this is bad. We're putting like an ethical judgment on them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I thought this was interesting to discuss, especially just in light of the fairy tale-esque mm-hmm. elements of this story and, yeah. and kind of echoes of Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, we definitely have some, <clears throat> pardon me, big bad wolves here, or at least that's the perception yeah, the wolves, there's no people. bad in wolves. Mm-hmm. Right. There just is. They're just wolves. They just are. Yeah. yeah. And there's no human is completely bad or completely good either. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but well, look, but look at the boy, like, look at Gus. Like, so I think you, yes. I mean, that's the other big part about this novel, right, is the domestic violence mm-hmm. and the femicide. Is that a word? Like, it ought to be. She <laughs> actually, when I was listening to an author interview with her, she talked, she said, the statistic in Australia is one in four women is murdered, like, every week by their domestic partner. And that's why she was so angry when she wrote this and why she mm. wanted mm. to write this and why that is such a big theme mm. in this book. So, I mean, that's, like, another role is the violence against women. There are a couple of humans here that, there's some, that there's some graphic qualify violence as in yeah. beastly in their behavior, yeah. Yeah. Next question. Inti and Aggie share a rare connection as identical twins. And this is deepened by their private sign language. Discuss the role of their relationship in the book. It's, uh, I'll jump in, fascinating, first of all, that Inti and Aggie obviously uh, share physical resemblance. Mm -hmm. 
um, a private sign language, which al allows them to kind of escape d detection as they're growing up. They can be making comments about what's going on and other people are out of the loop. Then you throw in the, the mirror touch synesthesia card. Inti ends up being very dependent on her sister, Aggie, uh, to, I guess, quote-unquote, rescue her out of situations. And it, this comes up multiple times in the story that, you know, Aggie's the one who picks her up off the floor when she thinks she's been gutted because she's watching her dad uh, slit open a rabbit, and she's feeling that incision from, you know, her neck down to her gut. Uh, Aggie is the one who always pulls the trigger when they go hunting as children, as teens, because uh, Inti can't do it. Yeah. She can't do it because she will feel the uh, the impact, I guess, of the bullet yeah. going into the animal that she's aiming at. There's so many ways that they're tied in this really visceral sense, mm -hmm. and it's it's disturbing when <laughs> you layer that on top of you know Aggie's uh, experience of domestic abuse and violence. Mm -hmm. It's very unsettling. To read those portions of the of the book, they almost switch roles throughout the book. Oh it's yeah, like Aggie started out as the strong one, the outgoing one, the mm -hmm. not so sensitive yes. one, where Inti wasn't, and mm -hmm. then they switch. They did. So part of the unrealistic part of this book to me was, so they're twins, right? Yes. And Inti has a brief encounter with this man who turned out to be her sister, who she's super close to, but didn't realize this was her boyfriend yeah and then it's just like okay you just slept with my boyfriend no big deal it's like what <laughs> that was really that yeah. was unrealistic too. unrealistic yes. uncomfortable yeah. oh my goodness and and that and that the boyfriend fell for the identical how do you not know that right? sounds that like a disney film bizarre. to me <laughs> and then the horrible violence that was committed yes. maybe i just forgot but did they was there any mention of them going to the police or trying to like they just ran away together. They, yeah, they seemed to run away from these well, things she told, rather than... Well, told her sister that she killed Gus, mm. but she didn't. But right. she didn't. Right. She didn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the thing, it got me really interested in some of these conditions and some of these th uh -huh. uh, different things in their dynamic. And right. so I I got a, a touch nerdy. And, um, a touch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I went down those rabbit holes first. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize this was a real thing, so I'll admit my ignorance. Oh, I had to go find I, out. Yeah, yeah, I was like, was this a real, real? thing? Yeah, yeah. I like mirror crazy. touch synesthesia. Yeah. It's real. I'm printing out like Psychology Today articles <laughs> and stuff. And um, yeah, it said that uh, there is an abstract from an article that said that autonomous languages exist in about 40% of all twins. Oh, for heaven's yeah. sake. And, um, you know, it's very you know, they're unique to each other too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one set of twins is not going to understand what another set of yes. twins is doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it talked about uh, sometimes there's like, like in this case, some of it was nonverbal. Yes. But some of it was also like they were picking up on each other's feelings and those sorts of mm -hmm. things that played into it. So if it was a new sign, it like seemed like there was less explaining mm -hmm. of what a new sign was. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not not so much teaching the other one. And then uh, the cryptophagia or the mirror to the cryptophagia was is um, what the what those languages are called. Okay, it uh -huh. uh, says it's phenomenon of a language developed by twins that only the two children can understand. Mm. Um, 
And it made me wonder how that affected their relationship with their parents. Would they have been closer to their dad, Hmm. um, had more experiences? Would they have been able to help him better? Not that it was their responsibility, but a a greater closeness because he he did like to be with them. He did like to you know, teach them and oh, yes. uh, guide them and, and enjoyed, you know, being a family with them. And then I, th- I wondered if mom would have especially understood Inti better, if mm. Inti could have explained, even if she didn't know what it was called, you know, why she physically felt the things that others experienced and, and yes. maybe her mom would have been more understanding instead more of, yeah, just, you know, stuff. Stop being a baby. Yeah, toughen up. up. Toughen up. up. Yeah. Yep. How did the parents get together? They were like complete even What connected them? Yeah, it yeah. was kind of hard to figure out where where they uh, yeah. where they got together mm-hmm. and how. What does this novel have to say about legacies of violence and trauma, and whether or not they can be broken? It really yeah. felt like it was violent, and, and it when wasn't you got ever broken, it, it just happened yes. again and again. Yes, the the. Once they get to Scotland and they're actually uh, in this community, it seems as though there is a, a legacy, very much a legacy of violence there that has been swept under the rug and yeah. and uh, not ignored but tolerated. Yeah, and, absolutely. And you know, you know, Indy's mm. having a, a a very strong reaction to that in part because she is now. Her sister's protector. Mm-hmm. They've been through horrible uh, domestic abuse and the, and the after effects of that themselves. And they look at this community and say, "How can you uh, tolerate this? You right. know what's going on. You know this man is a wife beater. Yeah. Why are you not stepping in and stopping it?" And um, in that sense, yeah, you wonder. This she's painting a picture of a community that is stuck in that endless loop mm-hmm. of violence and they don't seem to they don't seem to know how to come out of it. Yeah. And I thought too it's interesting cuz those characters that are Scottish mm-hmm. are staying really kind of it, they're in that village. They're not yes. moving around. They're not it's it's a locationally static mm-hmm. um, within, you know, a few miles. Right. And yet, and so I don't know if it's being stuck there, mm-hmm. either physically or just culturally. But then with Inti and Aggie, they're all over the place. They're in BC, mm-hmm. they're in right. Australia, they're in Scotland, they're in Alaska. And mm-hmm. I always felt like at some point it's like, slough the jerk. And just <laughs> the two of you, if you can move all over the world, why don't you just, if you know how to do it, you're good yes. at it, you've done it before, just go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you keep dragging this? Per- or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, allowing this dead weight. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the that's the I don't want to say bizarre, frustrating, I guess, thing about domestic abuse. Right. It's like when you're outside of it, you can look in and go, "Why are you with this person? Yes. Just leave." You sure. Can, you can and judge, but to actually go to you know four very very distant different locations. Well, BC and Alaska aren't too far apart, but right. to continue to you up and uproot your life and put it somewhere else, but mm-hmm. bring your biggest problem, bring with your nightmare you. with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point, it would seem like they would almost be less stuck. Mm-hmm. Just pick a place, you know, put a pin on the map, just go. Yes. And how would he ever find you? Mm-hmm. Where I could see, you know, in this village, 
Everybody's so connected. Everything's a fishbowl. Right. And you don't want to be bucking the system or be the different one or be the one to, um, you know, yeah, shine a the light on you've it. grown up with mm-hmm. and you know them through and through. Right. You know their good side as well as, you know, the dark side. Right. And right, you don't want to upset the cart. And yeah. uh, particularly uh, for Duncan, the police chief, he's in a really touchy situation uh, because he realizes, yes, there's domestic abuse going on in this family, but I know these people. I know both of them. I know they love each other. Mm-hmm. I know all these things about them. And it, it just puts layer upon layer of, of right. complexity on top of the problem of the abuse. If you've connected with these people your entire life, right? you wouldn't just be leaving your problem, you'd be leaving your identity. You'd be leaving mm-hmm. everyone you know and, and explaining to everybody why. And mm-hmm. so I can s- kind of see that a little bit more. You know, there's kind of more at stake in a sense mm-hmm. of, of that versus I've lived in all these different places. And as long as I have my sister, mm-hmm. I have everything I need. You're right. The, I guess I felt a little disappointed with how Inti reacted when the wolf, there was a wolf that was uh, murdered. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, violently mutilated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she kind of goes off the rails. And I can't remember the name of the guy, but I was just like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, and she's pretty violent with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt disappointed in that because I felt like this is like this cycle of violence that's just going on and on. And it was especially mm-hmm. the sisters. Yes. Uh, whereas some of the other characters were able to kind of stop, um, like Duncan, mm-hmm. he came from a very violent family background, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and he exactly. ended up in the end not being the murderer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, are they putting it to an end? Like, are the sisters putting an end to it, or are they just continuing it? Mm-hmm. Right, because it did seem like <laughs> some redirection. Like, she's doing this because she's bad in the moment, but you could see it was she's bringing, you know, her anger is truly about something else. Yeah. But because she, but she's not directing her anger at her real problem or her what she's truly has the rage about. So right. she's redirecting at this person. I sort of a I guess because she can. Yeah, it was very interesting. Inti and Aggie's father becomes a passionate environmentalist who advocates for compassion and kindness. Yet their mother disparages his solitary lifestyle, claiming that, quote, I've cared for more people in a day than that man will in his whole sorry life, close quote. How can we strike a balance between individual and collective action in bringing about environmental and social change? I guess I feel like some change is direct interaction and some is indirect. We, I don't know, I feel like sometimes our culture is so much about we've got to be talking about it and got to be putting it in our face. We've got to be very, very vocal, very big about mm-hmm. the message we have. And I think sometimes that message can be best experienced in quiet ways. And like you were saying, Jana, about you know being on that ridge and then you're starting to fall asleep and then you're experiencing hearing the wolves. And that is, it's like the message, from, I'm sorry, the, coy- the coyotes. We don't have them up here We do yet. not. Not yet. yet. You're right, the coyotes. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's its own message. And the message isn't coming from a human, but how powerful is it still? Hmm. You know, I'm here. I belong here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily a threat to you, but maybe. <laughs> um, so I think, I think it's learning to look for the messages in lots of places. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Because, yeah, the, the dad was a little bit, like, he didn't really like people. He was, mm-hmm. right? He was yeah. very, like, self-sufficient, kind of but kind hermit. of reclusive. Yeah. Yes. And I felt like he, yeah, he just wanted to, like, kind of have this sustenance lifestyle and not depend on anybody. Mm-hmm. And But the mom was more about community. But he was more about this idealistic kind of way of living. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, Denise, that, like, we need to integrate both points of view. And she has a passage where she talks about someone, like, planting native plants um, mm-hmm. in their yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an example of doing that in the novel. And then, I'm sorry, I said Mrs. Duncan. It was actually the older lady, Mrs. Doyle. Mrs. Doyle, that's yeah. it. But, yeah, yes. she, you know, she was talking about rewilding, um, opening your heart to rewilding yourself. Mm-hmm. And they have a knitting circle. And so I think that that's kind of, like, emblematic of that community, too, that you right. that you do kind of need both. Mm-hmm. Um, both of what the parents represent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they seem to be extremes on yeah. the spectrum. You know, one very reclusive dad and one very in-your-face uh, mom who's advocating for abuse victims, mostly domestic abuse victims who were female. And uh, those two radically different pictures of the world are are what's informing Inti and Aggie's frame of reference for life and and you can see why they might be a little bit mixed up um, to have those two extremes Um, next question how does the interweaving of different time periods and settings in the book contribute to its overall atmosphere Denise you had some thoughts on that one I felt like it's it's kind of sometimes difficult to have a clear delineation of taking the audience to where and when you are when you go to different times and different places yes. so they can follow it, but also keep it um, a cohesive story mm-hmm. without, you know, sort of saying, um, now we're going here. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes I've seen in where a chapter will, like the title might be a year or the title might be a place mm-hmm. and that's how they'll do it. I felt like because there were like four different locations yes. and the times weren't quite as clearly defined mm-hmm. it was agreed yeah. yeah for me it was a little tougher to make the jump I feel like I was kind of behind as I'm reading there was a little bit of a lag mm-hmm. for me to catch up so the processing of of the story overall and putting those pieces together took a little bit longer mm-hmm. um so that was a little bit problematic for me just because I like to just have a nice, easy read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, where it's not jumping all yeah. around. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I found a couple chapters where I didn't know where I was, and, mm-hmm. and that was disconcerting. Maybe that was the author's intent, yeah. that part of what you're experiencing when you're in a situation such as uh, Aggie's in particular where you're trying to escape out of abuse but you just don't know the way out. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I thought, well, maybe she's trying to give you a little taste of just the total confusion and chaos that, that that's running be. through your head. Yeah. But I also appreciated in this particular story, the, the thriller aspect of it, the, the murder mystery, was carried along, I thought, in a good part just by that jumping around and filling in the missing pieces mm-hmm. of information about say, a person's background or their relationship to another character. You know, what exactly happened when Duncan's mother died? And, you know, what right. what were the circumstances? And, and how did it play out later in his life? Yeah. It was um, 
that re- that revealing bit by bit was kind of keeping the suspense and and the thriller aspect of it, it going. It shined for a me. little bit of light, yeah. I think, on why characters reacted the way they reacted. Oh, because definitely. Get, oh, the back the backstory. Oh, that makes sense. And then it makes more sense yeah. for you, the reader. Yeah. I felt like that that going back and forth in time or going back in location. Mm-hmm. I've done those, but I think putting both together where each location is a, a less defined but certain time, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 with the time frame in their lives. Yes. So doing both together, um, I think it was it made a good for good scenes and good information, but Harder to digest. Yeah. Tough to kind of catch up As you read. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uncover the clues for but yourself. They, but they did have, um, they did definitely have purpose in understanding the, the that character complexity and development. Good, mm-hmm. good way to put in backstory for sure. Mm-hmm. Inti's mirror touch synesthesia gives her the ability to feel what others feel. Would you like to have this condition? And why or why not? No. <laughs> <laughs> No way, because it made her kind of crazy. I would agree. She she had you know very deep uh, yeah. emotional and physical reactions to unsettling events uh, because of this uh, mirror touch synesthesia, um, and very strange reactions to it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it almost seemed like she could control it just by looking away. Mm-hmm. And that was confusing to me too, that mm-hmm. it's all tied into first the visual yeah, and then the visceral. And, um, it almost seems super powery. Almost. Like a bad superpower. Yes. Like she, it's kind of like some of the, 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 the fairy tale mm-hmm. heroes who have this incredible power, but it's not quite under control yet. And, you know, they mm-hmm. may bounce it off another person yeah. and, and actually hurt them before they've got it under yeah, control. That's a great description. Uh-huh. And yeah. yeah, she had to come to grips with it. And uh, part of it. Do I you th- feel like it added anything to the story? Like her having that? Like, would it have been a good story without it? Oh, wow. That's tough to consider. Ah. I think it goes back to what Denise was saying about empathy because mm-hmm. it. It makes you more empathetic, She's right? hypercharged. But can you be too empathetic? Where it destroys, it almost destroyed her mentally. Almost. Yeah. 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 That's... I, I, I maybe <sighs> wonder if, if the wolves were kind of an outlet for that because mm-hmm. the only human who understood her was Aggie, and even Aggie couldn't totally understand without experiencing it. Uh-huh. So I thought, you know... Um, the way she thought about and interacted with and all of her work with the wolves was part of being able to deal with it or being able to focus it on something else, maybe a sort of safer way point. to do it. Yeah, yeah. I just um, I don't envy anybody. Hmm. I yeah. think, yeah, yeah, on the superpower side, in terms of a plus, it certainly allows you to enter into the experience of that animal or that yeah. person right. in a way that we more neurotypical people are are not equipped to do and she had kind of a inside insight she did uh, to the animals that yeah. the other experts didn't have even and yeah. uh, but what a mixed blessing i mean that's putting it mildly but, <laughs> but yeah. this this you know this thing that she has the feelings and the emotions and the physical stuff it's all made up i mean how did i mean mm-hmm. she doesn't know if the wolf really feels this True. It's just her idea of it's what her the wolf impression. should feel ah, or the other person should uh-uh. feel. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I mm. interesting. So she may be kind of projecting at mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. time that she's feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is how it should feel. Mm-hmm. But it definitely served her well, especially with um, the wolf that had the cubs. And she had to find them. Oh yeah, and it's like she had a sixth sense of yeah, yeah and I where think to go. Some body language, some instinct, some training. Yeah, she just made that decision and felt terrible that she'd already tranquilized the mom, mm-hmm. but it was like, well, <laughs> this could get, this is kind of precarious for the pups, but we'll leave it alone. Mm-hmm. So I think there are those moments that sort of keep her from total insanity because it's good. For <laughs> It's yes. good a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I th- yeah, it would just be overwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no way. All the time. But mm-hmm. I, d- I did read that common synesthesia, well, synesthesia, not necessarily specifically mirror touch, because there's like six or eight different types. Yeah. Approximately three to 5% of the population has some form or another of it. I guess. Oh, my. One of the more common is being able to like um, hear music and your brain perceives color. Yes. And um, certain sounds. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, it's small, but if you think about it, you know, if you're in a room with 100 people, three of them could actually have it. Yeah. And I think, I feel like she put it in there just to go back to that, because when you can actually, like, empathize with people that are suffering, as that's, like, the key to ending that cycle of violence, right, mm-hmm. that continues yes. to perpetuate. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, pe- that, do people struggle with empathy? Like, I... I think that... Don't you feel like that's kind of, like, the whole point of her novel, in a way, is to say, if yeah. we don't have empathy for wild things and wild places and for each other... Mm-hmm. Here's then, somebody who's forced to have yeah, empathy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then we continue these cycles of violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have empathy for people and animals and wildlife without having, mm-hmm. you know... But, but I, yeah, I just think it's a literary device to like highlight that that yeah, point that she yeah. wanted to get across. I don't think you got but it. I guess right there. I guess Gus would be the character that had no empathy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I got no sense of nothing but sociopathic. Yeah. <laughs> just. Yeah. You know. It's interesting too. We didn't get any backstory on Gus. He's just oh. seems to be this malevolent force that yeah. one dimensional. Yeah, one dimensional character. Yeah. Just kind of came and messed everything up and then left. And yeah. but what is the definition of a psychopath? You mm-hmm. don't have empathy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. That yeah, is the right. definition. And, right? same with and the so that's what he They're was. They're just more manipulative. Yeah. So that was the yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, and there's another quote in the book where she talks about like if we aren't around wild things and nature, then like, I feel like we're becoming more and more like, like machines. And mm-hmm. I feel like oh, wow. a machine mm-hmm. lacks empathy too. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yes. So there's that other aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Inti's father says that all creatures know love. How are wolves depicted in this novel? And what does it suggest about how humans and other animals can coexist? I, uh, I would, on the surface, I would agree 100% with Inti's father. I believe that all creatures do know love. Otherwise, it'd be hard to exist. Um, the wolves in this novel are depicted, for the most part, as wolves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I no mean, they're human... simply yeah. they're simply there being wolves. Yeah, they're not personified. They're not. And, and in fact, uh, Inti and the whole, you know, that, that expert team that she has with her 
are are fighting that urge to anthropomorphize the wolves. It's it's so easy to slip yeah, into giving them names. That's why they have names. numbers instead of names. Exactly. Yeah. They resist that. Oh, I want to name this one Ash because of the color of its coat. No, 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 no. Don't go there. So I would say the wolves are, are depicted as they are. Then what does that suggest about how humans and other animals can coexist? I think it suggests that if we let nature be nature and not try to conquer it, mm-hmm. but rather steward it, mm-hmm. you know, allow it to exist and flourish. Um, Which does or does not involve empathy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that that's the key. I mean, because when you empathize with something, I feel like you're kind of putting human emotions Projecting on those it. on yeah. the animal. But yeah. you're not supposed to do that with mm-hmm. nature and animals. Yeah, I, I think it's also a matter of keeping that awe for oh, individual creatures, for each species, for, for yeah, for the, the whole whispering. System. What is that grove of aspens? A giant? Yeah, the pando. Yeah, yes. they're all interconnected with their. They're you know, actually yeah. a single plant. The rhizomes, mm-hmm. like the, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the awe is what I think keeps keeps us humble, or the right perspective oh. of we are not the strongest, we are not the smartest, we mm-hmm. are not the most qualified or capable of deciding how it should be. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, the animals uh-huh. get to decide Might how it should be. I have a better be. idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. you've, got that, you've got the horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a teeny, cool. teeny tiny Pops up in there character there in there, too. Yeah. This yes. abused green horse that yeah. she buys and mm-hmm. rescues, I guess, and yeah. never pays the guy back, I don't think. No. Well, <laughs> that was something I got. Yeah. yeah. He died of. before she could. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> And and then, yeah, the horse at the end, the whole, that was just ridiculous, too. <laughs> yeah, it got a little bit phantasmagorical there at the end. <laughs> is um, that a word? Yeah, uh, I it made is, it, it is up. Now. <laughs> but I, I, I do, I love that quote, like, where, the, so she plays this recording of the wolves for Duncan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point in the novel, and I really love that passage. Um, and it was um, the sound of the wolves whispering. Yeah. Um, and it was two separate packs speaking to each other as they draw near. And mm-hmm. she writes that it is eerie and so beautiful. Nobody knew they did this until they were recorded. And so I think that's part of like the awe and just kind of the yes. respect for the natural environment to not not put our agendas on it, right. but to say right. like let's study it and like let's you know learn about it and and possibly learn from it as well, right? Yeah. It's hard for humans to do. Yeah. Yes. The acknowledgement of it's not about you. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. sit down and be quiet and just be the observer uh-huh. or or back away and leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was kind of reminded too with us, um, especially in the area we live, we get certain points where um whether it's um development of our urban areas mm-hmm. gr- the growth into up against the foothills yes um or whether it's conditions in the mountains whether it's drought or fire or whatever it may be we i think more often than other places will have those um those instances where wildlife comes into our backyards our neighborhoods sure. they're in there's a black bear in the tree there's mm-hmm. um there's a mountain lion you know walking through the the alleyway behind your house yeah yeah, yeah. i happened. saw a bobcat driving home last night no lie why wow. is it bobcat? the coolest thing bobcats know how to drive <laughs> <Whatever>. so, so 
possibly. One, one of my friends um, lives outside of Nederland in the uh, mountains, and their dog was attacked mm. by a uh, mountain lion. Mountain lions are scary. Yeah. And there was an article written about it. And I think that this kind of just like speaks directly to, yeah, the interface, the human right. wild interface. Mm-hmm. And how do you react when your pet is carried away? How did they react? Did they feel like, well, we moved into their territory. We had our dog out unprotected. I mean, I don't know the situation, obviously, but. Mm. I mean, yeah. yes. Were they, they, they mad, say like, kill this mountain lion? He, he, like, chased down the lion and what? scared it so that it dropped their dog. Oh, my god. And goodness. she was rushed to the hospital, and she's recovering. Good. Mm-hmm. But I think that they did that because they do have respect for that place and the fact that, yes. well, we chose to live here right. with Good. these lions. I, th- yes. I agree with but that. But not everyone not has ever, that perspective. Not but, enough. That's correct. But, yeah, I just feel like this novel is really pertinent to, like, a number of issues that Absolutely. we have here in, in Colorado, mm-hmm. the Mountain West. Well, thank you so much, Jana, Devin, and Denise for a lively discussion of Charlotte McConaughey's Once There Were Wolves. For next month, surprise, staff from Children's and Teens will be joining us to discuss a YA novel, Lark and Kasim Start a Revolution by Case and Calendar. Lark is a non-binary aspiring writer, which is why they feel they need to keep up with their Twitter presence, even when it goes awry. After their former best friend, Kasim, accidentally posts a thread to Lark's Twitter account about his unrequited and anonymous love, Lark gains an immense following, along with questions, criticism, and bullying. Kasim doesn't want anyone to know it was he who posted it, so Lark keeps it a secret. The Twitter thread spreads pressing Lark to be dishonest to the world and everyone they love. Are the growing lies worth the renewed closeness they feel with Kasim? Lark and Kasim Start a Revolution is available in print from the Longmont Library and in ebook and e-audiobook formats from the Front Range Downloadable Library. So, choose your favorite format, read the book, and join our conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Please see the program notes here for information on how to share your comments and questions with us. And thanks again for listening to Book Chatter, the book club for busy people.